everybody. This is Jenna. And I'm Noelle. And this is More Than Murder, where we delve into everything eerie with a side of true crime. More Than Murder is not your typical true crime podcast. Join us on a weekly tour through the haunted, the bloody, the creepy, and the nutty on our Freaky Fridays. Good morning. Yeah, good early (laughs) friggin' morning today. We are burning that... Coffee? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that midnight oil, but that ain't true because it's super early. Uh, so my brain is still starting up. Uh, but we got a great episode today. Yeah, and uh, it's a long one and it's a story, so uh, give it to me. All right. <laughs> just get uh, into it. Yeah, just get into it. I'm tired of looking at this kid's face already. <laughs> so this episode is especially brutal and graphic. Listener discretion is advised. I said it at the top. If you didn't listen to me, I can't. I can't help you there. Can't protect okay? you any further. It gets bad from here, guys. So the topic of today is a terrifying serial killer who terrorized California from June 1984 to August of 1985. His killings were random, making everyone live in constant fear, asking themselves, "When will the Night Stalker be coming for me?" Hmm. The Night Stalker. The Night Stalker. I mean, seeing that on a newspaper and newsreels, that's I would n- awful. Yeah, I would never leave my like, home at dark again. Uh, the like, Night, night Stalker. Yeah, it's no, just I'm like, done. oh, it's terrifying. Like, <laughs> I am a very paranoid person anyway. I'd say healthily paranoid, you know. Sure. But recently, like, once I started researching him in particular, I'm like, it's worse right. now. All right, yeah, I'm gonna be a little bit more diligent, and I'm <laughs> I'm having these thoughts that are like, oh gosh, oh gosh, yeah. Should I have locked my door? Should I have done this? Did you hear that? Like, yeah, that's yeah. the consequences of researching this <laughs> shit all the time. Like, yes, yes. And having to research it so deeply, but and we don't have to. We would we would be learning about it anyway because that's just yes, what we like to yes. do. We would be listening to the episodes or whatever, or just yeah, or um, everything. I don't know if you want to talk about it now, but or the upcoming documentary. Not even upcoming. It is out now. Okay. Today, as we record this, guys, Netflix has dropped the Richard Ramirez documentary. Who is the Night Stalker. Yeah. And I'm, of course, going to binge it. If you guys have already binged it, that's great. You can listen to the episode now and get even more of this sicko. Yeah, I'm going to binge it, too, so that maybe on our Friday Night Live... We can talk about not only the episode, but we can talk about the show as well. Yeah, that's a good idea. So, yeah, I just realized we have a Friday Night Live instead of a Saturday Night Live. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> MTM, uh, Friday Night Live. Perfect. Coined it, guys. Tam, 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 tam. Oh, gosh, that's too much. So, yeah. Uh, All right, let's go. I don't even know. Let's this get guy, it done. This guy's awful. Yeah. So... Obviously, the Night Stalker is Richard Ramirez. Uh, Ramirez was born February 29th, 1960. His early years, I believe, had a very real impact on Richard. Mm -hmm. His father, Julian Ramirez, was a police officer in Mexico before the family relocated to El Paso, Texas. And that is where Richard was born. Okay. It is said that he had quite the temper, his father, um, and often physically abused Richard and the other kids. It, yeah. He could just kind of fly off the handle and was not very fun to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard had suffered a head injury at a young age. 
I heard that he got hit by a swing, but I also heard it was like furniture of some sort. So little confliction there. Yeah. But he definitely had something hit his head in a hard Very manner. hard. Very hard. Yeah. Yes. This actually made him prone to seizures. How young of a child do you know? Uh, he was pretty young, like probably before his teen years, I do believe. Okay. For some reason, the age five is popping in my head. I'm sorry, I don't have it in my notes. Yeah. I bet it's out there. Uh, I could be wrong about the age, too. I, that might be too young, but definitely got hit in the head. Yeah. I'm speculating, of course, but maybe that had something to do with his later years and the crimes that he would commit. Mm-hmm. We hear about it kind of a lot, you Absolutely. know, in the early years of serial killers or psychopaths or any of that. Mm-hmm. So... Things do steadily get worse for Richard as he grew. His cousin Miguel started hanging around a lot, and he got really, really close to Miguel. Mm-hmm. Miguel was a decorated war vet in Vietnam and would proudly tell Richard stories of the mutilation and murder that occurred while he was serving. Oh, that's great for a, teen, a young preteen to hear. Yeah, he was not a very good role model. It gets worse. <sighs> Uh, Miguel talked of the many women who he sexually abused, and he even showed Richard Polaroids of him and severed heads. Oh my god. Yeah, he was getting shown awful, terrible, violent, sexual things at a very young age. I guess so. That's awful. That's obviously conditioning for some pretty terrible behavior. Yeah, and he definitely ticks that box. Yeah. They spent lots of time together, uh, usually smoking marijuana. Which, according to Wikipedia, Richard had been smoking since age 10. Mm -hmm. So, in his young years, I refer to him as Richard. And then later on, I'm just calling him Ramirez when we get into, like, the stuff. Yeah. And plus, what we're in the 70s now. So, smoking marijuana age 10 really isn't unheard of. No. Not really. (laughs) Not really at all. And that's not going to cause his issues. I mean, things just started younger back in the day. Mm -hmm. Was culture then. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much. (laughs) By age 13, Richard had been present when Miguel shot and killed his wife, Jessie. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. So he went over to Miguel and Jessie's house, and then a domestic dispute, a big fight broke out, and Miguel, boom, shot her. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And yep. Richard watched it happen. That's watched wonderful. Watched it happen. As a 13-year-old child. Yes, yes, those... Nice. Those formative years, guys, mm-hmm. when the brain's really, you know... Soaking shit in. And growing. Uh-huh. And, yeah. Let's not do that. It's said after this incident that Richard hardened and grew sullen. He started drifting away from his family. There's a story about how, you know, to get away from his family, his dad, all that kind of stuff, he would sleep in cemeteries. He pretty much has, like, PTSD from that event and from what his cousin has been showing him this whole mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And no... And then Nobody's he's helping him. Abused by his own father. Yeah. You know, like he literally had nothing nurturing at all to go to. Like, what'd you say about his mom? Where's his mom? There was really nothing about his mom. I think she Jeez. probably, if you think about abusive relationships, yeah. she was probably very drawn, withdrawn mm-hmm. and sullen herself. And, you know, I think he was one of five she kids or something. Probably had so. no cup to pour from. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. I, you know, I hate these cases because you can definitely see what made him turn into what 
He did, and yep. I feel it's the is a you serial feel so killer bad for them as kids, grown or born type of thing, right? And it's like in this instance, it seems a little grown. Yeah, who could tell what his life would have been like if he had, you know, the nurturing dad, the nurturing mom, yeah. the gal wasn't in the picture, yeah, for showing God's him sakes. these terrible things? Like, who knows? I mean, he was, you know, that's that's some hard, but awful trauma. shit to trauma. see, you know, and not have any help, and then go home and be abused, like. It makes you feel so bad for these ki- these people as kids. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. I said as kids because it's hard to feel bad for them as adults. Everybody can make their own choices, but that's just why you know we talk about all the time. So like important. mental health is so important. Like don't mm-hmm. movies and games. Everybody are rated for a reason. They yeah. are. Yep. They children's brains soak things in. You may not think it affects them while they're awake, but they might go to sleep and dream about it. And then they wake up and things are different the next day. Yep. You know, don't let your kids experience things that's going to strip them of their innocence and put these gruesome images in their head before they need to see them at all. I mean, even as adults, we hardly need to see them. They're scarring as as adults to see. So, like, yeah. just don't don't do that to your kids. Just let them be kids. Yeah. Don't let them hang out with people who they shouldn't be hanging out with that are, you know, obviously troubled or or maybe, you know, getting them into weird shit. Just, you know, the parents, protect your kids. You've got yeah. to protect your kids. Yeah. <laughs> Even if, you know, I, I always think back because when I was a kid and when I see other, you know, children that were my age, like, we are defiant. Our parents don't know best. We don't want to listen to them. We want to mm-hmm. do what we want to do. If they say no, we're going to do anything in our power to hopefully do what we want to do anyway, mm-hmm. you know, but keep doing what you're doing, parents, because your kids will grow up and know, oh, shit, my mom was right. This world is scary as fuck. I don't need to be going to that concert by myself or, you know, doing the things that that you aren't allowing your ch- kids to do or we weren't allowed to do, you know, like, I get it now. Well, yeah, I mean, I know that a lot of uh, people want to be their kid's best friend, but that's not your job until they're until they're adults. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, if they don't like what you're doing, good. That means you're doing something right. Exactly. Like, if your kids dislike you, obviously, if they dislike you because you're, you know, punching them in the face and abusing yeah. them, that's yes. not okay. Yes. But if you're just doing your job and parenting and protecting them uh, while they're still, you know, underage and live in your house, as is your job to do... It's not your job to be their best friend. Your kid has to be, like, your kid first, and then you can become best friends. My mom is, like, my best friend now. Yep. And, you know, it wasn't always like that. We were, because she was my parent. Yes. And now I can appreciate all those things she did for me because I am where I am now. To keep you safe. Exactly. Like, just, well, thank you for coming to our TED Talk. Anyways. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. After this, you know, after the shooting, he's probably not doing very well psychologically. Mm-hmm. Um, he decides to go stay with his sister and brother-in-law. Roberto, his brother-in-law, was not a great role model, a great role model either for Richard. He escapes his dad and now he's got this guy. So Hopefully he doesn't beat him also. Yeah. It's said that Roberto was a peeping Tom, which if you don't know what a peeping Tom is, it's somebody who goes to somebody's windows and they peep in. Right. They're... they're just looking in windows, trying to see ladies undress, you know. You just... wanted to say you got paranoia. If my curtain has, like, an opening at nighttime 
that's like perfect for someone just to peek their head through. I'm like, could you close the curtain all the way? Please? Like, I feel like someone's looking at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, I have like thick wooden blinds, so I close those <laughs> real tight. Like, you know how when you close blinds and you're like done, <laughs> I turn it another like half away to just make sure they're real close. Gonna snap that rod off. I know. I haven't done it yet. So yeah. Knock on wood. Oh God. So yeah. the peeping Tom. So he's a peeping Tom, yeah. and it said that he would take Richard along with him at night, and they both would look in windows of neighbors, watching oh women undress. So all his people just, wow, they're just conditioning him. And peeping, he's just being taught such yeah, deviant behavior. At like such a young deviant. age, right. Uh-huh. Like with peeping fucking Roberto over here. And, yep. All right. So now, uh, yep. now he's become a, this, all right. Yeah. So uh, by 1977, Richard dropped out of school. He was in the grade nine, about 16 years old at this time. And he really starts, you know, delving into the crime scene, petty crime, burglary, that kind of stuff. Uh, He was experimenting with LSD and arrested for marijuana possession, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, it's the 70s. I really don't care about marijuana possession, you guys. I'm not. And LSD. A lot of people were doing LSD at that yeah, time too. I do believe, like yeah. you know, there's, there's, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into drugs in a different episode, guys. Yeah. Also, at this time, Richard was starting to become interested in sexual violence, <sighs> and especially sexual assault. And he claimed himself a Satanist. Well, considering the pictures he was shown when he was little of him, those girls being sexually mm-hmm. assaulted, mm-hmm. he thinks that's what's supposed to happen. Apparently, yes. And his yes. mother probably wasn't. Was abused in certain ways that he saw probably too. Who knows? Yeah, we who knows? Who knows yeah. how how that went? You know, and he's it, never been shown how ladies are actually supposed to be treated or taught that way nope. either. And unfortunately, or people in general, he has seen people in general treated like garbage his mm-hmm, whole life. Mm-hmm. And children, mothers, fathers, it doesn't matter. Well, if we look at serial killers, a lot of them have that sexual deviant mm-hmm. profile, mm-hmm. and. Could we say that it could be, you know, maybe it stopped because a lot of that kind of stuff wasn't as known about as it is nowadays. You know, we're not seeing this type of serial killer all the time now. It's not. Well, what I've noticed is that there's like a lot of killings and kind of like serial killings that happen that we don't even hear about anymore. That is true. That is like, true. It's not... I, I see it in weird... In, in like news articles from hometowns and stuff, but the national news is not covering it because there's so many other things going on that yeah. literally serial killers, quote, have been taking a back burner. Yeah. And I, the things that come up sometimes, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I've not heard of this. Well, the 24-hour news cycle has changed a lot of things. Yeah. Usually it was you got your, you know, maybe morning news and then you had your nightly mm-hmm. news. We have a 24-hour constant, yeah. constant news cycle. Mm-hmm. And that is why everybody's terrified and frazzled and depressed as fuck. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Especially us empaths. Ugh, awful. So, obviously, the part of him being a Satanist, this is going to come back later. This is a big... A satanic panic is coming. Uh, yeah. Or happening. Basically. Yeah, but that's in the 80s, right? That is in the 80s, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, it's coming. It's, it's, it is upon us in this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I read a story, this is a great story, um, about how he was once fired from his job at the Holiday Inn. I think this is actually when he was still in school, but he was fired because he had broken into a guest room, 
usually he was like using his pass card and like you know taking belongings and doing his you know mm-hmm. thievery because he loved it's to a perfect steal place shit. to work really if that's what you want to yep, do yep and you know probably in the 70s hotels weren't as secure as secure yeah. yeah so he had broken into the guest room and was assaulting a woman yes <sighs> the husband of the woman comes back into the room Pulls him off and starts just beating the shit out of him Good. senselessly. Good. You go, um, dude. So he's obviously fired for this. But he's never convicted. I guess the couple didn't want to, like, come back to testify against him. And then if you're not... You know, that pisses uh, me off so much. Yeah. You know that it happened. It shouldn't matter if people are there. Do you know how traumatizing it is to testify? I know. When somebody just, like, raped you and assaulted you. Is that the motherfucking choo-choo train? <laughs> we what got a choo-choo. We haven't had the choo-choo in a while. Yeah, it's just that one episode. Yeah. But yeah, cool. like, even in cases with children, like, they're like, well, the, the kid didn't want to come back and testify. And I'm like, she was six years old. I'm not going like, to go do, like. That's terrifying. You shouldn't have to have to see your demon exactly. in person just for justice to be done. Like, I personally have social anxiety. It's something I never realized I had until I got older and started looking into myself. Just the thought of, like, jury duty gives me anxiety. Mm-hmm. That's not even sitting up and, like, you know, testifying in yeah. court of something that actually happened to you. Yeah. And I'm anxious about it. Uh-huh. So add that on top, I'd be a nervous fucking wreck. Absolutely. You got nervous everybody looking wreck. at you. You're talking mm-hmm. about this horrifying uh-huh. situation. You're swearing that you're not going to lie, and it's, like, it's nerve-wracking yeah. as heck. I know. Ugh, That's, so... Ugh. Yeah. Okay, again, yeah. the justice system. Woo! Woo! Uh, so it's not great. He is not a good dude at this point either. At age 22, there's a jump here. I don't know why, but from 17, 18 to 22, it's just nothing. <laughs> there's just nothing really. Either it's not of note, mm-hmm. or they're just not really... Maybe he was doing, like, petty burglaries that nobody reported or something. He was. He was like, always doing yeah. that. And, and it said that he had a very, very bad drug problem, like, mm-hmm. shooting cocaine. And, like, he was delving into harder things than, mm-hmm. you know, marijuana at this time. So he definitely He might have been just feeling, on a binge at that point. And, yeah, I did, there's just... We're not talking about those years. Yeah. We're jumping at age 22. He relocates from Texas to California. In California, he's still living his life of crime. He was arrested for multiple burglaries, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. possession of cocaine and marijuana, and he does have a jail sentence for this. Okay. Yep. Yep. Of course. Finally, you know. Gets jail sentence for drugs, but not for sexually assaulting the woman. Uh Uh-huh. Surprise! Uh Uh-huh. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this Fuck the patriarchy. Anyway. Fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> fucking pisses me off every fucking episode. I anyway. agree. I agree. And it's like, they're literally letting just men get away with so That's much. That's why they think they can. Uh-huh. That's why now, now if you just simply say no, girls are getting shot in the face. It's awful, man. <laughs> so, there you yeah. go. Yeah, and that, that sexual violence. This is the violence. conditioning that we've got with our justice system. That's awesome. Hmm. So, uh, though his early crimes in the late 70s and early 80s were mostly related to drug possession and theft, it's going to escalate into something a lot more sinister. Okay? So now we're getting into the Night Stalker's crimes. His spree, if we will. Yeah, I'd say a spree, a very short but... 
expansive spree. So the Night Stalker crimes begin. So I'm going to hit on this first crime, but I want you guys to know that he's not, this is not going to be connected to him. This isn't going to be known until later. Okay. A lot later. It gets known, but it's a lot, lot, like 2000s later. Okay. Jesus Christ. Until it's connected to him. You got to keep in mind DNA. These serial killers got away with everything. I know. Everything. I know. I'm reading a BTK book and he botched his first two killings. It's ridiculous. It's like, whoa, dude. Seriously? Yeah. I don't understand it. So DNA not being a thing is like, it makes a playground for them and it makes me sick. Ugh. All right, so Ramirez's first known murder occurred April 10th, 1984, while he was living in San Francisco. It is said that he murdered nine-year-old Mei Lung, yeah, nine, in the basement of a hotel he was living. He sexually assaulted her, then stabbed her to death. Afterward, he hung her body from a pipe. And then just left her. Oh there. my god! How the fuck did he get her in the basement in the first place? That's terrible. Yeah, and it Where was. Were... It... Oh my god! Free will and stuff in your eighties, I guess. <laughs> it's awful. So that's not even on this map because it wasn't even associated with him. So it's actually. Nope. It's not something that he was convicted of. Unfortunately, this case would not be tied to Ramirez until 2009, when they were able to match DNA found on the scene. She's not reported as connected during his initial murder spree. Uh, the case ends up going cold for so many years. Yeah. So many years. This poor nine-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just forgotten. Mm-hmm. So, two months later, in June of 1984, Ramirez enters the home of 79-year-old Jenny Vinlow. It is said that she was stabbed repeatedly, sexually assaulted, and her neck was slashed so badly that she was nearly decapitated. Oh my god. I've I've heard this a this, lot. I've heard these killings. Uh-huh. I've heard Richard Ramirez's Ramirez's story from various other sources mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter how many times you hear it. It's mm-hmm. just still just this ugh. This got to like I could not do my work late at night mm-hmm. because this bothered me a lot. Absolutely. The, the and dreams and the thoughts. stays with me. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I got to put this away at like 5 p.m. Yeah. That way I can have time. decompress from it and relax and do my yoga. Well, the thing is you can picture just... everything and it's awful. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a good imagination, hearing the descriptions of what happened, and you I'm see seeing it. And pictures. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not fun. Oh, gosh, let's get into this more, because this is just crazy. Yeah. This is just crazy. Uh, Things slow after this uh, crime and will not really heat up until 1985. So this happens in 1984. There is a big gap because his huge spree is in the span of 1985. Mm -hmm. March 17th of 1985, Maria Hernandez was attacked as she was pulled into her home in Rosemead, California. So, Maria got really, really lucky because a bullet shot from a 22 caliber handgun ricocheted as it came towards her off of the car keys that she held in front of her face, sparing her injury. I mean, I, I think she got hurt a little bit, but yeah, it did not kill her. 
She survived It that. was not her time to die nope. that day. Holy nope. fuck. Literally. I literally almost she put up by the grace of, like, God. Like, just, whoa, that's yeah, crazy. She had someone watching out for her. Oh, Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, and it, it turns because her roommate was not as lucky. Her 34-year-old roommate, Dale Yoshi Okazaki, uh, took cover in the home after she heard the guns shot. She's hiding. She hears... Ramirez breaking in through the kitchen. Oh, it's terrifying. And she pops her head up to kind of scope, kind of see what's going on. And in that moment, Ramirez shot her in the head with the twenty-two caliber gun before fleeing. Holy crap. He was a good shot then if she just, like, poked her head up really quick and was boom. Mm-hmm. Like, well, how I think did he even see her, like... In the kitchen. Wow. I think it was, like, yeah. Oh, gosh. It's terrible. Awful. Within an hour of the Rosemead home invasion, another victim, 30-year-old Sai Lane Yu, was pulled out of her car and shot dead, again with a 22 caliber handgun. Oh my lord, the same day. Same exact day, and like only an hour after. So after this, um, with two murders and a third attempted, in one day it was making headline news. He sounds like he was on drugs for sure. Like, not uh-huh. that somebody couldn't do it without drugs, but knowing that he was already, like, doing coke and experimenting with things, like, yeah. it sounds like with, with that type of aggressive, random, no point shit happening in the middle of the day, mm-hmm. like, he had to have been on something. Yeah. Yep. The intruder was described as curly-haired with bulging eyes and wide-spaced, rotted teeth. <sighs> We're going to get more into his mouth, guys. Ew, no. Yeah, we kind of we get into the mouth a little bit. Y'all dental hygienists should love this. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> Not that much, but we, we, or we'll talk about his mouth a little bit because it, it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's a big thing. It's an identifying factor. Hmm, you ain't going to tell me. That's... <laughs> we'll get into my teeth, too, guys. Not dirty or anything. I just have gappy teeth. Adorable gappy teeth. Oh, they ain't Richard Ramirez's fucking teeth. Ugh. <laughs> But they're my identifier. Yeah. No, I could I know, I never commit a murder or a big crime. I couldn't rob a bank. Any teeth, even if they're straight, because they're going to say, you know, straight teeth are, or like mine, her eye teeth are crooked, with crooked eye yeah, teeth or whatever. Yeah, but I don't think, like, my teeth, the second you see them, I feel like that's where you yeah. go. And it's 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 a thing, you know. I, I don't have, they're straight, but they're smaller teeth than they're gabby teeth. And I feel like that would be the one, oh, very prominent gabby teeth, and then they... The second y- y'all heard that around here, you'd be like, oh, I know her. Yeah, in a lineup, they'd be like, could you all smile, please? Mm. <laughs> I just smile, guys. <laughs> and you um, just, like, keep your mouth shut and smile with your no uh, teeth. Like, I used to do that all the time when I was super insecure about my teeth. No. Oh, I, I think your teeth are adorable. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so the media uh, is kind of hot on his you know, nickname already, and they call him the Walk-In Killer and the Valley Intruder. So in different magazines and And this was after um, he had... Two murders and a third attempt, yeah. Okay, so this was after March 17th before his next thing. Correct, yep, yep. And I think if he would have probably slowed down a little bit more, it probably would have taken longer to, like, connect things and do Mm -hmm. things, you know, but... Three people. Yeah. Two dead, one almost dead. That's boom. All in relative boom. area, too. Yep. It's not like it's in vastly mm-hmm. different places. Mm-hmm. So by this time, I can already imagine 
people all over California, especially like around that area, were probably terrified. Mm -hmm. And he's in the Los Angeles area now, kind of moving around. Like he makes it around the block. (laughs) Um, By March 27th of 1985, Vincent Charles Zazara, age 64, was shot and killed while sleeping in his Whittier, California home. His wife, Maxine, was 44, and she was awoken when she heard the gunshot. Ramirez then beat Maxine and bound both of her hands. And then after this, he basically ransacked the home. This is a big thing that he always does, just uh-huh. looking for valuables. It's, it's what pays for his drugs. Exactly. Exactly. While Ramirez was preoccupied ransacking the house, Max, Maxine was struggling, and she actually got free from her binds. Wow. She went into action quickly and retrieved a shotgun from beneath the bed. You go, Maxine. Heck yeah, man. But when she went to fire, she heard a click. It was empty. The gun was not loaded. Which is how it should be. Yes, yes. You but know, in for that, safety. He is a moment, yeah. man. My heart sank the way her yeah. fucking heart sank, man. I knew. I was like, mm-hmm. she thinks she's going to... You know, save the day and just... Ugh. You know what? Turn that shotgun around, hold it by the barrel, and you start swinging. I know, for Swing real. Swing it the fuck at his face. Or even take the barrel and jab it into his throat. Just go up to him. I, for some reason, I don't know what it was, but he seemed like he was really quick. Like, we'll get into, you know, some people fighting back and things like that. Well, it depends but... on what kind of drug he was on. Because yeah. some drugs do make you have or more how... agility, like, make you faster and have more agility. Like, cocaine and, fire and speed power... and stuff. like. Of the gun, you know, maybe, uh, yeah, he was just brutal. Mm -hmm. So uh, Maxine was then shot three times. Her body was mutilated post-mortem with multiple stab wounds and her eyes were gouged out. Post-mortem? Yes. Yeah, so after After she's already, you know, deceased, he then goes back and mutilates her. Like, that just shows the depravity and just how sick. Yeah, like, why? Why? Oh, why would you do that? I I still can't answer that question. No, I can't. Especially when you, like, go back to do it. Like, you, you're you done. Mm-hmm. And then you go back. And it's like, oh. Well, still, for this, you know, he, he, he took them, the eyes, with him. Yeah. As, like, a sick trophy. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. I guess he took a jewelry box. He put the eyes in the jewelry box. Do eyeballs dehydrate? I have no idea. I guess you'd have to put them in like a jar with fluid. Oh, let's not. Let's not. Okay. I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Not that I would ever, you know, take someone's eyeballs, but. I can't deal with eyeball scenes in movies. Yeah. If I ever went blind and had to get an eye transplant, I would keep my own eyeballs. Is that weird? I don't know. I guess no. I'd put my eyeballs in a jar. I feel like. I had my appendix out, and I was like, oh, man, I wish I was old enough to be like, yo. Oh, if I ever had a hysterectomy, I'm keeping my uterus. Like, yeah, I kind of want the things that are, like, taken out of me. I want to be a weirdo and have body parts, like, on my shelf. And, like, my own. My, my own, you guys. Not, like, like other people's. Yeah, no, no, no. It's science, y'all. It is. Shush. And, like, I'm into oddities like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, the preserved, like, weird things there in a jar. There are a lot of people that preserve a lot of shit in jars, okay? Mm-hmm. Especially in the old days, man. That was, like, yeah. how they learned, uh-huh. you know? And, science. Uh, science. So, shush. <sighs> Don't judge me. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, still at the Zazara scene uh, or crime. 
Ramirez uh, took the eyes as a sick trophy, and then on the scene, police officers find a clear, obvious sneaker impression. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it's in the dirt, like, outside the home, because he always broke mm-hmm. in whatever way he could, through a window, through a door, probably mostly through a window. Um, they also matched the bullets from the other slangs and realized, mm-hmm. oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Something's happening here. May 14th of 1985, there's little gaps in here. Ramirez broke into the home of Bill Doy, age 66, and his wife Lillian, age 56. It is said that Bill was shot in the face with a 22 caliber and then beaten until he was unconscious. Oh my God. Yeah, so oh I my guess... God. You get shot in the face and then just keep getting beaten to death or yep. beaten unconscious? Like, yep. good God. He is just brutal. He's These literally. Poor souls, man. I know. I good know. God. Their last moments in life, you mm-hmm. just gotta imagine. Imagine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay, let's keep going. Utter terror. Yeah. Lillian is bound and sexually assaulted, uh, but she does survive the attack. Bill unfortunately dies from his injuries while he's in the hospital. So he does make it, you know, to the hospital, Mm -hmm. but he does unfortunately die. Now, after this, we can start to see some parallels. They're all home invasions, belongings Mm -hmm. ransacked. It's always breaking in later at night mm-hmm. um and beatings and guns used yep yep but it's also very random yeah it's like bur- like usually like a burglary might be is usually yeah yeah it's like a home invasion gone wrong but the victims ages are all over the- yeah it's just it's all over the place no it preferences seem- no it- type <laughs> No. No. It meant, oh, God, so hard to find this guy. Man. Yeah. It just Every, Everybody would be scared. It I doesn't agree. matter if you're a male or a female. No. Like with, with Ted Bundy or, or Dahmer, you know, you have a specific victim profile. Something that you can kind of match so then you can kind of start to work to get this person. Not with him. You don't know where he's going to strike. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. May 29th of 1985, um, he traveled to Monrovia, California. Ramirez enters the home of Maybell, Ma Bell, age 83, and her sister Florence Nettie Lang, age 81. Both women were in their bed sleeping. Now I'm going to go with Nettie's little nickname here, so I call her Nettie. And I'm using all of their first names. I'm Mm -hmm. using his last name because he's garbage, but victims, survivors, like, that's what I want. To highlight. You know, not highlight, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Because, I'm sorry. They deserve to be talked about. I'm so sorry. He doesn't. And I'm sorry that I am talking about him, but. He's the main culprit here. He is. And he's garbage. Um, So, Nettie was bludgeoned with a hammer and bound. Ramirez then went to Mabel's room and bludgeoned her as well. He then bound her and shocked her with electrical cords. Oh, my God, this poor old lady. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Aww. And then Nettie was sexually assaulted after that. Aww. Mm-hmm. And on the scene, this is when police find the first pentagram. It mm. was drawn in lipstick on Maybell's thigh. And then there were two others drawn on the walls in the bedrooms. 
So this is that first precursor to like the satanic element that really, you know, mm-hmm. that added that level of, of scare for a lot of people. So the following day, May 30th of 1985, in Burbank, California, Ramirez breaks into 42-year-old Carol Kyle's home um, in which she shares with her 11-year-old son. They are held at gunpoint and bound together while the home is ransacked um, for anything that's worth taking. Ramirez must have had some troubles because he unties Carol and demands he show her where the valuables are hidden. Huh. Yeah. So she might have had them all on a safe or something. Maybe. Or, you know, she's starting to see the news, starts, like, hiding some stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. She is then sexually assaulted. And according to Wikipedia, he told her repeatedly to look away or he would gouge her eyes out. So that's Uh, why he gouged the other eyes out, because she looked. uh, Yeah, I thought that, too. Uh, Oh, my God. It's awful. (laughs) I'd be like, okay, no problem. I don't want to see your fugly-ass face anyway. Oh, God, it's traumatizing. My eyes would be closed the whole time, I think. Yes, Like, I don't want to see what's happening to me. Is he going to kill me? Like, Although it is good to see their their face for descriptions if you do survive. I feel like I would have already seen it while I'm being bound in my house. No need to look during that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Close your eyes like a bad dream. Um, (laughs) So shortly after this, he fled the scene. Carol and her son were left alive, but bound wow. together with handcuffs. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow, it, the train is going wild it today. It is active. Well, it's, it's early. <laughs> that must be when they run it. Yeah, that is the more than murder choo-choo train. <laughs> um, so, he, it's weird because, yes, he is, you know, he's murdering, but he's also leaving survivors. Like, I, I want to know... What why? he was thinking and, like, yeah. why. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it puzzles me to this I day, know. guys. It had to be really hard to tie everything together at this time, too, because it profiles all over the, the, the place. You know, there's there's home invasions and some survivors, and then there's others that are just not so lucky, yeah. you know. Maybe that's why he did it. Maybe I just figured it out while I was talking it out, guys. Did I? Sometimes <laughs> you just need to say things out loud. I know, I know. Uh, so, July 2nd of 1985, uh, Ramirez breaks into a home in Arcadia, California. Mary Louise Cannon, age 75, was asleep in her bed. Ramirez bludgeons her with a lamp, then stabs her repeatedly with a 10-inch butcher knife from her own kitchen. Good God. hmm I look at my knife block differently now, guys. Yeah. <sighs> the house was ransacked. And then Ramirez fled into the night. Mm -hmm. So, popular thing. Just three days later, July 5th of 1985, Ramirez goes to Sierra Madre, California, breaking in through an unlocked window. (sighs) He finds 16-year-old Whitney Bennett sleeping in her bed. She is bludgeoned with a tire iron. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, it's. It's brutal, guys. Uh, And then he goes to look for a knife. He's unsuccessful, so he decides to strangle her with a telephone cord. Sparks apparently started emanating from the cord and kind of, like, shocked Ramirez in the moment. Um, He ended up fleeing after he, like, felt a heartbeat and she was kind of, like, still alive and he knew it. Um, I guess he said that he believed Jesus had saved her in that moment. Okay. So he's 
writing pentacles and pentagrams places, but he's talking about Jesus also. This dude's all sorts of confused. Well, if you think about Satan, you also think about Jesus. So he's thinking that he, he believes that he is Satan's lackey and he's doing Satan's work on earth. He's the son of Satan. And... Jesus is going to be their enemy. So he's going to be like... Yeah, but you'd still think that if Jesus, Jesus saved brought, her. if Jesus saved her, then he would think that you would kill him. Kill her still because if, he just makes no sense. Because if Jesus is your enemy, you'd want to undo the work he just did. Just makes no sense. He's crazy. Yeah, no, no. He's definitely fucking crazy. He's definitely fucking crazy. So this is a horrible ordeal, but Whitney does survive the attack. Oh, thank you. It said she needed 478 stitches. Oh, my. From the blows, like, from the tire With iron. a blunt force. Yeah. Oh, my God. To, like, God. her scalp, like, cosmetic surgery. Like, <sighs> awful, man. Just, oh, the pain. So, on July 7th, 1985, Ramirez enters the Monterey Park house of Joyce Lucille Nelson, age 61. He went through the house looking for anything of value, like, to take, of course, like he always does. And he comes across Joyce, who had fallen asleep on her couch. This is bad, guys. He uses physical force during the attack. Joyce is beaten so brutally with blows from his fists and kicks to her head. She does not survive this attack. Oh, my God. He used such force with his foot that it set a clear imprint on her face. I was found oh my God. of an Avia sneaker. I believe I've seen a photo of it i looked for a photo but i couldn't find one i also didn't search too deep because i was like do i really do i really want to see this uh that yeah and that sneaker of course matched a different crime scene yeah earlier on Mm -hmm. yeah oh my god it's not good (laughs) hours later just hours later ramirez who is driving around looking for another home to attack heads back to monterey park he enters the home of Sophie Dickman, age 63. Ramirez handcuffs Sophie, then attempts sexual assault. Uh, like in his past crimes, he ransacks the home, taking anything valuable. She is told to swear to Satan. He'll do this a lot, too. Um, that he there's nothing else in the house that he can take of value. So, I got it all. Swear to Satan, I got it all. Just, like, <laughs> stupid. Yeah, yeah that. Dumb. <sighs> yeah. So, this spree is really heating up for Ramirez by this time. It seems like it. Um, He's stealing cars as well. Like, most of the the getaway cars and things are stolen. Um, This does aid him to flee quicker. That's how he's, you know, getting away with it, kind of. So, back to Sophie. Mm Mm-hmm. Did she survive? Yes. Because he made her swear to Satan that she got, he got everything and he just left them. Yeah, he just left. Yep. Yeah, so she she is a survivor. The getaway car for him is also really, like, he's going all over the place. He's not hitting just one town. You know, he might circle back and hit a town, but he's kind of bebopping all over the Los Angeles area committing these crimes. So no one really knows where he's going to strike next. Um, After this, it said Ramirez purchased a machete. Like, Jesus Christ. Why the fuck do you need a machete, Ramirez? Just stop. Just stop. <sighs> so it's kind of, I feel like this is an escalation. You know, he had the gun. He was using the gun if he was usually, like, killing people. And then he started bludgeoning. And then it was like, oh. I'm going to chop him to pieces. Machete. Yeah. Ugh, God. 
Hmm. So, on the night of July 20th, 1985, in Glendale, California, Ramirez breaks into the home of 66-year-old Leela Needing and her 68-year-old husband, Max. Ramirez slashes the sleeping couple with the machete, then fatally shoots them with a 22 caliber handgun. Good lord. Yeah. Awful. Like, what... What's the point in the machete and the gun? Like, I don't know. know. Like, just... To be he brutal. needed more. Yeah. yeah. He, yeah. Was, he was escalating. He was getting... That compulsion was growing for him. I cannot wait to start this documentary. Well, I can't even start it when I get home because I've got a child awake now. I know, I know. When I, I know. get back. Yep, yep. Well, I'm you get to sit there and fucking watch it all day. I'm really excited. I was like, this is perfect. We have to put this episode out I on know. Friday. The last minute recording you guys we had a different episode plan we did we're switching it up we're switching it up okay let's Um, keep going because it's 8 41 okay there we go (laughs) so both bodies are mutilated post-mortem with a machete uh and the home had been ransacked so the cops are coming in and seeing this brutal brutal (laughs) this brutal scene in front of them and then you know the house is just probably in utter disarray yeah hard crime scene pretty much that same night, around 4.15 a.m., Richard drives to Sun Valley. He enters the home of the Covenant family. Immediately, once in the home, he shoots and kills Chainarong with a .25 caliber semi-automatic handgun. Yeah. Whoa. So he's getting better weapons. I guess. Like, I don't want to... Yeah. Yeah, he's basically escalating his weapon choice, too. Mm-hmm. His wife, Somkid, was beaten and sexually assaulted repeatedly. And their eight-year-old son was bound. Probably watching it all happen. Yeah. I I, I kind of thought that, too. I would hope maybe he was in a different room, but mm-hmm. you're still hearing... It. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. No. <sighs> Traumatizing. Absolutely. Uh, kid was dragged around the home by Ramirez to get anything valuable. So, <sighs> you know, making her basically... It, that trauma is... That's terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. So at this point, there is a little gap of a few weeks between the crimes. Maybe he's laying low. I don't know what really happens, but August is when things really get up. Again. Yeah. August 6th of 1985, Northridge, California. 27-year-old Virginia Peterson is startled awake when Ramirez enters the home. She is shot in the face with a .25 semi-auto handgun. Her husband Chris is shot in the neck, but starts to fight back. He manages to dodge two more shots before Richard flees the scene. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So... Imagine being sleeping, like just you're asleep and you're in your best comfort and you're in your bed Mm -hmm. and you hear a loud gunshot and it startles you. Like just the chaos of these scenes is craziness. Ugh. So the couple does survive the terrible encounter of the Night Stalker. Wow. Yeah. The wife survived? Yep. Okay. Yep. It's crazy. (sighs) How many people survived this terrible, terrible guy? My thoughts are with every one of you. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Two days later, August 8th, 1985, Ramirez enters a home in Diamond Bar, California. So he his crimes are literally within a short span, but there's a 
lot of them. He's working so quickly. Yeah, it's all in just not even like a full year. Year. Mm -hmm. Because the first two were at the end, were toward the end, Mm -hmm. halfway through at least, Uh the first year. Yep. And he starts out slow, a couple a month, couple a month, and then just bam, 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 bam. Every other day he's striking. Yeah, sometimes on the same day. Yeah, sometimes on the same day, guys. Several times, yeah. (sighs) The home in Diamond Bar belongs to 31-year-old Elias Abawath and his 27-year-old wife, Sakina. Ramirez immediately goes into the master bedroom where he shoots and kills Elias. Sakina is handcuffed and beaten while Ramirez demands to know where the household valuables are. After this, Ramirez comes back and sexually assaults Sakina. This time, he makes her swear to Satan that she will not scream. Probably terrifying. I'd be screaming my lungs out. Um, the attack is briefly interrupted when the couple's three-year-old son enters. Swiftly, Ramirez bound the son and continued the attack on Sakina. <sighs> don't find, don't, don't find a three-year-old, guys. Please. And don't just do anything garbage like this. Sakina and her son do survive the horrible ordeal. And at this time, it's all over the news. Every single news and paper is plastering the Night Stalker. And who is this person? Is he going to strike? It's awful. Folks around California were terrified, obviously. Mm-hmm. Sales of guns and window locks were steadily in, like through the roof, man. Everyone wanted to protect their families. Men were scared. Women were scared. Children were scared. Every single person was scared. You don't know who... Or when or where he's going to strike. Which is just, I think, the most haunting part about this dude. Um, so, Except for his fucking teeth. Ugh, yuck, he's gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's nasty, guys. Um, Ramirez is, of course, following the news at this time. Um, so he decides maybe shit's too hot, and he heads for the San Francisco Bay Area. August 18th, 1985. Ramirez enters the home of Peter and Barbara Pan. Peter was 66 and Barbara was 62. Peter was shot in the temple with a .25 semi-automatic handgun. Ramirez then turned his attentions to Barbara. She was beaten and sexually assaulted before being shot in the head. Police on the scene found a pentagram drawn in lipstick next to the phrase Jack the Knife on the bedroom wall. Could not find out what this meant. No. If you guys have heard anything, maybe it's in this new documentary, about, like, what he meant, I I could not find what that meant. I did a lot of side googing, but no. Like, I don't know why he would have written Jack the Knife on the bedroom wall next to the pentagram. But that is what they found. After this, police decide to run evidence found at the scene um, with past Night Stalker crimes. You know, it's in a different area, but they're like, mm, a lot of things. We see the pentagram. Things are matching up. Did he move? Ballistic evidence was a match, and they found another Avia footprint from that sneaker. Yes. Jesus. Stupid ass. Uh, but it's kind of annoying. After they confirmed this crime matched the others in Los Angeles, the San Francisco mayor, Diane Feinstein, decided to hold a press conference. 
This kind of, you know, made investigators mad because if we know anything about an ongoing investigation, officers will release certain pieces of information but keep some things to themselves. Mm -hmm. Because they're probably, you know, the crazy people confess and they want to have that piece of information that they can cross with that person. So what was the sneaker? What was this, you know? Well, not only that, but a lot of the times the murderers are watching these mm-hmm. things and they don't want them to know that they know certain things so that exactly. it can nip them in the butt. Yep, that's exactly that's exactly why. They want to keep that to yeah. themselves. But <sighs> press release, press release. So, yeah. The press conference is reve- it is revealed that a footprint was found. They mentioned size shoe it was. Ramirez, who had been following coverage, then decided to throw his size 11 obvious sneakers over the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just destroy that evidence. Yes. Wonderful. He also takes some time to hide out, laying low in San Francisco for a few days before traveling back to Los Angeles. Once back in Los Angeles, things really start to fall apart for Ramirez. And there's a huge break in the case. About time. So this last time is between the 24th and the 25th, night of morning of 25th type of thing. Um, Ramirez travels 76 miles south of L.A. uh, to Mission Viejo, California. He comes upon the home of the Romero family. This family had actually just gotten home that day from a vacation. And as the family slept, the 13-year-old son, James Romero III, was wide awake. He just couldn't sleep. You know, on a road trip, maybe you're sleeping a lot in the car. You know, you just got home. You just can't sleep. So it said that he was in his garage, like, tinkering on his bike. Um, I heard another story about, like, he went out to the car to get, like, his pillow or something. But he was definitely awake. He didn't think anything of it, but he was starting to hear, like, crunching footsteps. He was like, yeah, it's probably just an animal, but definitely was hearing it, kind of mm-hmm. keeping an eye on it. These footsteps start drawing closer and closer, and he becomes concerned. Looking out, he spots what he believes to be an intruder and runs to see more. His father is awoken um, during, like, the little commotion and asks James what's going on. James then tells him about the intruder, but continues to head after Ramirez. As Ramirez makes his getaway, James catches some crucial information. He calls police immediately with the color, make, and model of the car Ramirez sped off in. Wow. He also had a partial plate. Wow. Yeah. 13-year-old kid for the uh-huh. win. <laughs> Fucking hero, dude. Yeah, that's awesome, um, man. I, I loved this Good fucking for that story. Kid. Exactly. And I wish I could have, I could say with confidence I would have been that person. But yeah. I would probably have been scared, like, hiding <laughs> in my closet. Like, don't get me, don't get me, don't get me, don't get me, don't get me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah. So, with his plans foiled, Ramirez decides he needs to break in somewhere that night. He enters the home of 30-year-old Bill Carnes and his fiancée Inez Erickson, age 29. This is like the early morning hours of August 25th. Ramirez quickly shoots Bill three times in the head, then quickly turns his attention to Inez. Ramirez told Inez that he was in fact the Night Stalker and made her swear love to Satan. Mm-hmm. Like, it means anything. I know, right? Like... Saying it to you. Okay. It's... I don't... Yeah. She would be beaten and bound with neckties from the closet. 
Ramirez searched the home for valuables and came back to sexually assault Inez. And after the assault, it said that he demanded cash. He probably couldn't find much, but he's like, where's the cash? Where's the money? Inez directed him to where it was hidden, which ultimately may have saved her life. Mm -hmm. He held up the money and was like, I'm taking this. This saved your life. This is what you're worth. And peace the fuck out. After he fled the scene, Inez manages to untie herself and call for help. Bill made it to the hospital and surgeons were able to remove two of the three bullets saving his life. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. And can you imagine the story? He'd be like, yeah, I was shot three times in the head by Richard Ramirez and one of the bullets is still in there. Yeah. Like, can you imagine? I know. Wow. And that's an incredible surviving story. Mm -hmm. Like, you were shot in the head. Yeah. Three times. And head's not that big. He definitely had, you know therapy afterward and it was it was a long journey for him he's he's probably just now starting to get back on track physically but yes he has his life and, mm-hmm. and that's just that's crazy the last the last of of his crimes yeah. right here after Inez called um she was able to give a detailed description of Ramirez to police I think they already sort of knew what the dude looked like sunken cheeks dark curly hair and them the teeth. janky ass teeth But things really came to a head on August 28th of 1985 when officers find the stolen car abandoned in Wilshire Center, Los Angeles. Ramirez attempted to swipe all evidence, but officers were able to lift one single fingerprint off the rearview mirror. Nice. Yes, yes, that one fucking Mm. fingerprint, man. At this time, they do have a fingerprint database, and... I think because he, you know, had a criminal charge or whatever, he was probably in this database. Yeah. But they run it through, bam, match. 25-year-old Richard Ramirez. They find a mugshot of Ramirez from a past conviction, and they immediately release that to to the media. They were like, this is who it is. This is who it is, man. Keep your eye out. Uh Uh-huh. And the Night Stalker finally had a face. In a press conference, a police officer stated, quote, we know who you are now, and soon everyone else will. There will be no place you can hide, end quote. Perfect. They're, they're, yeah, they're like, we're zeroing in on you, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So now we're going to go to his capture. And of course, in Richard Ramirez style, it ain't just the cops show up, knock, knock, arrest. Okay? Shit's going to get crazy. So it's only a matter of time before the capture, before they capture and arrest him. Um, Richard, who's actually in La La Land, he has no idea that they found the fingerprint or that he's So he's not even watching this time. Well, right afterward, he hops on a bus to Tucson, Arizona, where he plans to visit his brother, I guess. Um, I think it was probably like, oh, I probably should get out of town, you know, at least for a little bit. Or maybe he was going to start being active in Tucson. Who Mm -hmm. knows? For some reason, he fails to meet up with his brother. And on August 31st, pretty much the next day, he gets on a bus back to Los Angeles. So he's, like, traveling on a bus, not able to really see the news. No smartphones at that right. time. So he's he has no idea what the fuck's going on. By this time, um, police were actually staking out the bus terminals because, obviously, they're like, this dude's going to flee once he sees the news. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> I don't understand this, Ramirez gets off the bus and somehow manages to make it past the officers without an issue. He just gets off the bus, walks past the officers, and bam, right not into a, a convenience store. Yep, not a surprise to me. No, I know. 
Right after he's plastered Lord, everywhere, he makes Lord, it that far past the place. Oh, yeah. So he gets off the bus and makes it into a convenience store. Um, in this convenience store, that is when he finally sees his face plastered all over the front of these newspapers. Uh, mm-hmm. He starts to panic, and he takes off running across the Santa Ana Freeway. He attempts three different carjackings, but none are successful. And at this time, everyone knows who, yeah. who it is. They see this guy running, and this is fucking great. So with every news outlet and paper displaying Ramirez's mugshot, people of the area knew who to look for. A mob of residents spot him running and take actions into their own hands. Well, when the cops fail to fucking get him, when they walk right past. Uh-huh. Well, come on. Jesus. Who knows if he was wearing, like, a hat or something. I, I, I don't, don't give know, a fuck. Citizens took him down and the cops didn't yes, again. I know. <laughs> um, these citizens attack Ramirez, hitting him with a metal bar. Uh-huh. Then beating him senseless uh-huh. until the cops arrive. He deserves so much worse. During the attack, he's literally like, dude, let me go, let me go, let me go. Like, no, I'm not letting you go. No, I'm you stopping your kill. face till you get a boot mark in it like that lady. You just killed a shit ton of people. Yeah. And scared, terrorized the nation. Oh, fuck you. You're disgusting. Like I said, he, you. He, he, honestly, I got, ugh, he honestly should have been dead by the time the cops got to him. I know. In my eyes. I know. If I was one of those people... In that group, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be. He wouldn't have been alive to get to the police station. I mean, they just did, saying. Uh, they did hit him in the head with a metal bar, so I bet he did not feel very good. So quick, yeah. I just want to have a little round of applause for those badass individuals. Yeah, good for you. Come on, that's awesome. Oh, I love vigilante justice. Sometimes, I do. sometimes well. it can be taken to an extreme. So now we're going to get into the trial and conviction. I'm not going to go too in-depth on this. I'm just not going to. So um, with Richard in custody, um, he has been positively identified in lineups. His is a face you can't forget, especially Mm -hmm. them teeth. Mm -hmm. So they probably did make everybody smile. Yep. Yep. Let me see your grill. Yeah, yeah, your grill. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. So the trial began in early 1989. Ramirez was charged with 13 counts of murder, 5 counts of attempted murder, 11 counts of sexual assault, and 14 burglaries. Mm -hmm. In his first court appearance, Ramirez raised his hand to show a drawn pentagram on the palm. He then yelled, Hail Satan! Awesome. Okay. Why the fuck are killers such, like, showmen in court? I don't know. Like, they're crazy. Sit I mean, down and shut not... the fuck up. You are in no place right now, like the Ted Bundys of the world. Yeah, Sit they're the still bragging. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. They still think that they're awesome. We don't want to hear from you. Anyway, the trial took almost a year due to some setbacks. Uh, there was a death of a juror. I'm not going to get, like, too into that, but one of the jurors was found murdered. Everyone was terrified, thinking that he was working from someone on the inside, but it was not about that. Nope. Ultimately, though, on September 20th of 1989, Richard Ramirez was found guilty on all charges and sentenced to death. After the sentencing, Ramirez stated, quote, I am beyond good and evil. I will be avenged. Lucifer dwells in all of us. That's it. End quote. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds more Luciferian than Satanist. Who even knows? He took he took something 
He took things from everywhere. I'm yes. like, this is what I am. Exactly. <laughs> and just was like, this is why I kill for Satan. Like, it, ugh, dude doesn't He just made no sense. sense. And he was really into heavy metal. Like, super fucking <laughs> into, like. Hardcore, man. Yeah. Super into, like, the heavy metal of the time. So that was probably, like, mm. I'm hard. I'm a Satanist. Yeah. I kill people. It's like, fuck you. Satanism isn't even what people think it is. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's said that he also did not seem to have any remorse. When asked about the sentencing, he told reporters, quote, hey, big deal. Death comes with the territory. I'll see you in Disneyland, end quote. Good Lord. Dude is sick. Yeah. <sighs> he was held on death row uh, um, in San Quentin prison, but he was never put to death. The delay was caused by an appeal brought by Ramirez himself, offering him quite the extension and apparently the appeal process is really lengthy in California. I think each state has a different type of process, and California's is really long. Richard Ramirez ended up dying in prison of natural causes on June 7th of 2013. He was 53 years old. How lovely is that, that the people of California yep. got to just pay for this man mm-hmm. to live out the rest of his days in mm-hmm. prison? Mm-hmm. Like I said, vigilantes were awesome. They should have finished the fucking job. I know. Yeah. He they ended up they just getting just... cancer and dying. Yeah. You know? Lucky lucky him. I know. But all wow. the other people. No. I know. Didn't deserve that at all. I know. And they said a little bit of an article that I read said something about, like, if the if he hadn't have died and, the like, the appeals process was still going, he might well, not have been put to death, death yeah. until, like, 70 well, not even because they changed the death penalty in California yes, anyway. but, but. So who knows? It just said that, like, if he would have been, like, he yeah. probably would have been 70 by the time they would have actually been mm. able to. Yeah. Because he can it's such a read a book of, and fucking write a, uh, write an appeal. Such a waste of money. That is so not okay. I know. He, he is clearly guilty of all this. He had no remorse. Mm-mm. Honestly, Mm-mm. take him out back. Mm-hmm. And That's then, my idea. And Take also, them out fucking back. In 2009, they find the DNA, which matches him to Mei Ling. And he was the still allowed to keep going and living yeah, after it's that. Like, it's, Again, take him out back. Uh, Stop terrible. feeding him. Sorry. Do something. <laughs> Jesus. That's just disgusting. It pisses me off. Uh, I, I am not somebody who thinks that people like that should just be living out their days in prison. I also don't think they should even... I don't care if execution is not ethical. Look at the shit that he did. Well, apparently he was supposed to get, like, the gas chamber. Apparently California mm. had a gas chamber, and he was going to get that. So he just Email got to go if I'm wrong, put to but... sleep then. Very peaceful. Go, but get, just go put to sleep. Not even that. You just went to the hospital and died okay. of cancer. Yeah. B-cell lymphoma. Uh-huh. <sighs> so I do have one last part, and that's, of Good, course. I'm tired of hearing about this motherfucker. His groupies. <sighs> Oh my god. Serial killers always guys. have groupies. They always I have know, fucking what's groupies. What's wrong with them? I see Ugh. he's happy in this picture. <laughs> so many, many women wrote to Ramirez while he was on trial. But there was one love match in particular that was made early on. Doreen Loy started writing to Ramirez while he was incarcerated as early as 1985. So, like, right wow. after he, like, right after committed the crimes, yeah. and it's such high profile, she started writing to him. By 1988, the two were engaged. She visited him regularly while he was on death row. Sorry, you don't get that right either. Some sources set up to four times a week. 
Doreen does end up divorcing Ramirez in 2009 once he is tried for the murder of nine-year-old Mei Lung. Well, nine years old was her straw, not all the other ones. I know, I know. Uh, I don't, I don't. It was probably because of our age that we're in now. Think of, like, 2009 and how, you know, social media was starting the Oh, she would have gotten blasted. News. Yes, yes. She probably got blasted. She probably didn't yeah. like it. And she's probably like, oh, I think we need a divorce. Well, sorry, Doreen. It's all coming out about you now. I know. Have fun with the rest of your life. It's awful. But you probably shouldn't marry the serial killer in the first fucking place. Exactly. Don't fucking marry the serial killer. No. My husband is the most nurturing man, and I love him a lot. Yeah. Why would you want someone who can't be nurturing at all? Oh, my God. I mean, ew. That. Yeah, just. No. No. And if they are nurturing, it's usually, like, a facade to keep up their yeah. murdering. And, and, ugh, God, yuck. So, yeah, there you have it. Uh, that's the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. If you didn't, you know. Hate you know, him. now you know. Hate him. Hate all those groupies. Hate everybody. Yeah. It's uh, truly terrifying stuff. The fact that, you know, he acted at complete random. Anyone could have been a victim. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's shiver-inducing. It is. It's awful. I mean, it did seem like he... A lot of his victims seemed to be over 50. Yes. Majority. Yep. And a majority seemed to be women. But there were obviously some men thrown in there and some younger people thrown in there as well. So well, mostly, like, a lot of it was like couples. husband, wife. Right. Take out the husband first and then do what, you know, he did with the wife. <sighs> but yeah, everybody lock your doors and your windows. Because I'm paranoid now. Because people like Richard Ramirez still exist. Oh. We just don't hear about it as often. Yeah. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. So, yeah. Well, even though we're going to think about it the rest of the day when we watch the (laughs) documentary. True, true. So, yeah, if you haven't watched that yet, go watch it. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want more, make sure to subscribe. We put out new episodes every Freaky Friday. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And go follow us, guys. We have the socials. You can go see all of the stuff that we post. You can see our Friday lives that we're doing every single Friday. Um, For that, you can find us on Facebook at More Than Murder. Find us on Twitter at More Than Underscore Murder. And find us on the Instagram at More Than Murder Pod. Yes, do that. Go do that now. And uh, YouTube. Oh, yes, the YouTube. The YouTube. The YouTube. We do have a YouTube. Um, To find that, you just type in YouTube in the little bar, hit search, and then you scroll down a little bit. Um, No, you don't search YouTube. You search more than murder. You search more than murder on YouTube in the bar, and then you scroll down, and we will be there. Um, Yeah, that's (laughs) how you do that. Um, It's early, guys. Like early, so you can also email us. We have the email at the Gmail, more than murderpod at gmail.com. And we will be hitting you up live later. Yeah, so have a great Friday and we'll talk to you later. Yes, check out the blog for pictures and more info. Did you already say the website? I did not say the website. What is that website? It is www.morethanmurderpod.com. Yes, go look at that blog, guys. We're going to have the pictures and the things. And, and the, the things, things you don't want to see. None of the none of the other fine scene pictures. No, no, you can I, find those everywhere else. So I'm not getting gory with my pictures. Deep babe. dive yourself. Okay. Okay, but mm. we love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.